Hello everybody, this is session four of Biblical Leadership Matters. Matter of fact, this is the wrap-up session. This will be the last of these sessions. And um, Pastor's topic today is Predestined Purpose. Pastor, could you pray an opening prayer? Greet these people and pray an opening prayer. Why don't we have a word of prayer here and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time together. Those who are here to join in and look at your word. Lord, I pray that you will help all of us, every one of us at this moment, to begin to see your message, your meaning in our life through your word. I ask you, God, that you help me to share a clear and concise lesson. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, God uses what he anoints. In, a, in other words, uh, he uses what he anoints. That makes you and I his servant. In Isaiah 49, 1 through 3, the scripture reads, Listen to me, all you in distant lands. Pay attention. You who are far away, the Lord called me before my birth. From within the womb, he called me by, called me by name. He made my words of judgment as sharp as a sword. He has hid me in the shadow of his hand. I am like a sharp arrow in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant, Israel, and you will bring me glory we are his servant and being his servant we realize that we are christians and that god in his infinite wisdom in his infinite knowledge you know that he is omniscient he knows all things he's aware of all things he knew that you and i were going to exist and he knew when we were going to exist and he knows how long we're going to exist as humans on this planet. But with all this that he knows and his knowledge and his purpose, and believe me, God uh, definitely has a purpose. You know, the Bible says that it's not the will of the Father that any should perish, but that all should come unto repentance. He wants everybody saved. That's why he came down in the form of his son and his son Jesus our Savior gave his life on the cross and he rose on the third day and he ascended back to the Father because God is very serious about his purpose but I want to talk to you a little bit about in this verse in Isaiah we just read about the predestined purpose that the prophet said, he said, he called me from my birth or even before I was born. <coughs> the Lord called me before my birth from within the womb. He called me by name. Well, that ought to tell you a lot about what God thinks about the unborn and, uh, and about uh, the subject of life. And when life begins and the importance of life, well, here Isaiah says 
that God had called him while his mother was carrying him, and he had not had the natural birth yet of coming, but yet he existed. God's plan existed. That's how important you and I are. God predestined purpose in us that he knows exactly what we want to do. Now, we have a free will to decide which direction we're going to go, and God knows which direction we're going to go. But he has planned for us a life where he can use us, where we'll have a calling and a a fulfilled life doing the work of the Lord, being a servant of his, and that we're that important that God set the stage to get us ready to be in the position that we are to do ministry. And what he's laying on your heart about doing uh, for you to just go on and do it because he's already, he has called you uh, earlier than what you could ever imagine. You know, in we have predestined purpose, but we, but you and I, we have a position with God. It's there's a position that we should rejoice in Him about. That we are we are a child of God, that God's our Father, and that you know Paul writes in First Corinthians eight and nine. Yet for us there is one God, the Father, of whom all are all things, and we for Him and one Lord Jesus Christ through whom all things, whom are all things, and through whom we live. So we have a Father, Heavenly Father. He goes on the rights of, in Ephesians 4, 6, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Jesus in Matthew 23 and 9 says, Do not call anyone on earth your Father, for one is your Father, he who is in heaven. He's our heavenly Father in Psalm 86 and, I mean, 68 and 5. Uh, he said of, that he was the father of the fatherless, a defender of the widows, is God in his holy habitation. We are his children. Paul writes in Romans 8, 14 through 17. I hope you're writing these places down and look them up. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. You're led by the Spirit of God. You're born of the Spirit, not of the flesh. You're, you're one of the sons of God. You are a child of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, then join heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. I want us to look at something here carefully in Galatians chapter 4, talking about you and I being a child and God being our father. We, we should feel very privileged today to have this relationship so much that that's our motivation for ministry. Did you know that? We don't do ministry because it makes us excited and we like the energy that it brings out and and everything but we do ministry because we love Jesus and it's about him 
and about this adoption. We've been born again by the blood of Jesus Christ. Galatians 4, verse 1 through 7. I, I, I was wondering whether or not I'd cover this, but I think I, I will. Just encourage you, encourage you if you're involved with, uh, with ministry and doing things. Here, let me read it. Paul writes in Galatians chapter 4, think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father sets. And that's the way it was with us before Christ. Listen to this. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him, Jesus, to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. There's the Holy Spirit again prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now, you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his, God has made you his heir. Now, that's interesting about this, uh, this adoption. Um, I think it's important that we maybe look at this Roman adoption, because that's what Paul was referring to, um, because actually in, in Judaism, uh, the Jews and Jewish heritage in Judaism, there wasn't something called um, the adoption. If a man died and his family was left, um, you know, where that all of his belongings would go not to the wife, but would go to his brother, and his brother then would go and take care of his family. Now, but here Paul's referring to adoption, adoption that existed in uh, in ancient Rome. And to understand that, maybe I can clear that up to you so you might get a blessing from it, is that uh, I'm going to use by example uh, a book, uh, the novel that was written by Lou Wallace. Uh, and you probably will relate to this title, Ben-Hur, A Tale of the Christ. Uh, we mostly just refer to Ben-Hur, the movie. And so we know you'll identify these things that I tell you if you'd seen the movie. If you've not seen the movie, I don't know why you haven't seen the movie. It's been around for a long time. So here in, a, in this novel, Judah Ben-Hur is adopted by a Roman admiral. What happens course before that you know he he faces hardship he puts in i mean he's made into a slave his family are taken away into prison and he loses his house just everything loses everything because of an episode that he that he wasn't guilty of but yet he was uh sentenced as being guilty and was uh put into slavery well uh judah ben-hur he was adopted eventually by a roman admiral by by the name of Quintus Arius, uh, after saving him, after Ben Hurd saved him from drowning. If Judah was a free man, Arius could not adopt him since he was not a Roman citizen. But if he was a slave, Arius could buy him. 
then he could be free then he could free him making judah a citizen did you catch that ben-hur was not a citizen he wasn't free at the time and this roman admiral wanted to adopt him not adopt him wanted him to adopt him but he couldn't do it because he was a slave but if he bought ben-hur bought him then set him free then suddenly he has the equality of being a he's a, he's available for adoption and when when uh, quintus arius did that he bought ben-hur he set him free and then he adopted him into his household where that all that uh, that Quintus had in his home, all his belongings, all his wealth would go to Ben-Hur. Does that, I mean, is that not a wonderful analogy Paul used of us and our relationship with God and that we're being adopted into the family of God? We were slaves to sin. Jesus came and bought us by dying on the cross and paying the price for our slavery. Then in turn, he sets us free when he buys us, purchases us by dying on the cross. Then he sets us free. Then when he sets us free, then suddenly we're adopted into the family, into God's family, so much that God declares and says that we are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ, that everything a part of the of the father's household is now ours and that we're heirs to that and co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Now, that's a wonderful blessing there. We didn't earn it. We couldn't earn it. We couldn't buy it. We couldn't achieve it. It took God paying the price, setting us free, and then giving us this inheritance. I tell you what, that, that, that excites me to to think about that. So we're, we are a child of God. And I think it's interesting, too, that when that happened, once Judah was a citizen, then after he bought him and set him free, then he was freed as a citizen, Roman citizen, uh, a slavery, uh, a slave being released would be then become a citizen. Then Arius could aggregate him, and that means adopt him, but then... Not only that, he would take on the name of his father, his adopted father. So uh, I, I tried to put this together. Judah would then have a name of his new father becoming, and I thought I'd put it together, Judah Quintus Arius Ben-Hur. So in other words, you and I, in essence, because that's how they arranged the name, you and I are, say, I'm Ron Bynum. I am Ron Jesus Christ Bynum. I am Ron, actually it would be Ron and Jehovah Bynum because I have a new father and he's and he has adopted me. He's adopted you and I. So you know God being the center of our name and our identity, who we are. The father has put his spirit in us and he calls us to be like him. Jesus said in John 1 and 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. There are other verses. I'm going to move on. But we are a child 
of our Father, but we're in relationship with him. And in that relationship, that this love for Christ and love for the Father, it causes us to be, you know, we are dependent on him, aren't we? I mean, you may try and be in a hot shot, a hot shot ministry leader without Jesus Christ, but I will tell you, you won't be all that hot. And it's not going to produce the type of fruit God looks for. And so we are dependent on him. God has made it that way so that he can equip us, so he can supply us, so he can encourage us, so he can work through us. Our ministry does involve humanity, but it also involves the spiritual world and that we need the Holy Spirit to do a spiritual ministry to the world, that we are dependent on him, that we, we must totally depend on God for everything. And then when we do that, we have, there's a, perception when we depend totally on him and we'll begin to see things when we rely on him and and trust in him and 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 walk with him and then with that perception comes what would be a reception what we perceive we will receive spiritual perception brings spiritual reception what i'm saying if we'll see things in god's way depending on him through his eyes through his word, through his heart, then what will happen, we'll have this spiritual insight and perception. Um, our, we'll see things that others will not see because of the Holy Spirit. Then once we perceive, we'll see things and then we'll receive. Spiritual perception brings spiritual re- reception. And so we see and then we receive. We see it. We know it. God gives us that insight. He gives us because of relationship that we have on him and that it's the wisest thing in the world to depend on the Lord. You can depend on a lot of things and a lot of people, a lot of uh, agencies, a lot of organizations, and these things will let you down, but God will never let you down. Not only does he, does he work with us in that relationship and that he gives us through the adoption that uh, connection with him and we become dependent on him, but then in comes the provision. You know, the Bible says in Jeremiah 1, 4 through 12 is that, you know, there's, a, there's the forming that God knew Jeremiah before he was formed. He knew Jeremiah, knew of Jeremiah, uh, and before he was formed. And then he set him apart for a purpose, to be dedicated to ministry, and then ordained him to do that ministry. I would cover more about that, but read Jeremiah 1, 4 through 12, and you see this conversation, you know, uh, uh, and you see this man that's doing an argument with God saying, I'm, I'm too young, I can't do this, starts giving excuses. But then God starts telling him each time he poses a question, 
then God then answers him, you know. Um, and in other words, you could put it in simple terms in this conversation, verse 4 through 12. You said, I cannot, for I am, you will fill in the blank. I am, you need to say that you can instead of you cannot. You need to believe and know that God calls me to be everything that he tells me I am. I want to talk to you a little bit about the path God set you on. We've talked about this predestined purpose. So with that predestined purpose comes a path. Your calling and the calling God has put you into. And I want to encourage you what I would say and please understand what I'm saying for you to stay in your lane. Don't let popular opinion, don't let family or friends opinion begin to decide what you should be doing in God's kingdom. Some people step out and do ministry just because other members of their family have done ministry. No, you need to find and hear the voice of God and know what God wants you to do, what you have been built for, and what you will be equipped for uh, and, and need to stay in your lane. You know, it's just, it's like me, for instance. I need to stay in my lane. I'm called the pastor. Uh, pastor ministry leaders and teams encourage the congregation and give them word that God's given me and, and try and cast vision and such. But I, I have to stay in my lane because I, I can't say suddenly, well, tell someone that is working with uh, the early learner group and tell them, listen, I'm going to teach the early learners today. You don't need to do it, and, and uh, that's just, you know, I'm just going to step in and do that. You don't do it anymore. Well, maybe I can teach children, but I could be very well stepping out of my lane. I'm not called to do that. I'm called to pastor everybody in the congregation, but God has not given me set skills and abilities uh, and callings in that area, though the children are very important. And I could if there was an emergency, but why would I do it when there are adequate people who have a call in their life to teach children? So we need to find our metron or what you what what you would call the metron is your assignment it's the measure of your assignment romans 12 3 through 8 says paul writes for i say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly as god has dealt to each one a measure of faith that's that metron now, metron is that measure, that word in the Greek, uh, measure. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. Like I was talking about, staying in your lane. We need to walk in the lane God's put us in and is calling in our life. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We are closely connected together. That's why I say that those who do various ministries in the church are just important. We are equally joined together, but with different responsibilities is what it is. No man is better 
than the other. No calling is better than the other. We're called, and we're called to fulfill that uh, calling in our life. Paul writes, having then gifts differing according to the grace that's given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in the proportion of our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence. So if you're a leader, lead with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So therefore, that I like what it says there in that verse. It says, having the gifts differing according to the grace that's given to us. That's not the same grace as the saving grace, but it's enabling power that is necessary to do uh, the work that God would want us to do. In John 3 and 4, Jesus said, For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for he does not give the Spirit by measure. Let me, what that verse means is that Jesus was gifted without limit. We are not. We have our limits. But Jesus, as the word says there, for, for he whom God has sent, which is Jesus, speaks the words of God, for God does not give the Spirit by measure to him. Jesus is the fullness of God. And, but we, w- Jesus was gifted without limit. He could do anything. Why, he, he could even walk on water. <laughs> but we're not, we're not Jesus. God has uniquely equipped us for specific contribution to the kingdom. We have a metron that is in, and it is imperative that we recognize what it is. We need to know where we're going. We need to pray, God, show me your will. Show me the specifics of where you want me to go and how I, and I'm not talking about church. I'm talking about in ministry, being a leader, being a ministry team member. We need to ask God. Ask him, he'll tell you. I've I've literally had people tell me, I really don't know where I belong at the church. Well, I would rest assured that I could probably tell them that they really, truly haven't been praying about it. They're just trying to reason it out. But there are limits of our metron, the measure of the rule which God had distributed to us. That same verse of Scripture, that same words I read from the King James that says that, but according to the measure of the rule which God had distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. Let me read it in other translations the way it phrases it in the new international version it says to the field god has assigned us there's a field god has assigned us or in the same words in the english standard version it says the area of influence god assigned to us we do have an influence we we are leaders and and we make an impact in this world and the people and the world around us Uh, and the measure, your assignment in the kingdom. God has given us an assignment to do the work in the kingdom of God, to fulfill the will of God in our life. Now, a lot of times when you talk about God's calling, people feel like that they'll 
they will totally lose themselves. Well, there's a couple answers to that, okay? Number one, you might lose your bad self because God will work on you. The Holy Spirit will, will chip away at you and work with you as you're taking a step of faith. But isn't that good that we improve, that we become more devoted to Christ and um, certain things in our life that ought not to be suddenly are fading away because we're, we've become more disciplined and serving him and following him more. God, listen, when God sees me, he says one thing, hmm, a work in progress. And, and I am a work in progress. All of us are. But, you know, uh, we need to realize that God wants to use us. And that. But the thing is, you're not going to totally, really, truly lose yourself. A lot of people think, well, when a person becomes a Christian, and then start serving God, and they start stepping into thinking of doing ministry and doing something in God's kingdom. They start thinking, well, I'm just going to lose me. I'm going to lose myself. No, no, no. Don't you know your identity, your personality is all about how God has made you, and he has made you who you are, and he wants to use who you are, the very personality, the person the very traits and, and talents and gifts that you have. God wants to use you. You and I are a work in progress, and let me rephrase it to this. We have been a work in progress. So God has taken us somewhere so that he can use us. In that verse 7 of Ephesians, like I said, that grace, that word grace is not for salvation but for service. And so, uh, and, and not only he's given us grace of that, but he also indicates in Ephesians 4, verse 16 through, or 11 through 16, is growth. God wants us to growth. And your growth and fruit is directly connected to your ability to discern your assignment, your metron, your measure, who you are. And God will show you. He will reveal to you. Now, you may not. Many times we ask and we think, well, I'm going to get it all in one nutshell, one thing. It's all comp the, you know, compressed in my entire life. I'll get this one thing, and then that's it. No, he'll give you the next step. He'll give you where you need to go to now because there's no way of knowing where and what he's going to do in the future. So I guess we're really asking God, God, show us the measure of faith. Show us our next step in our journey with you, God, to grow in you. Praise God, Pastor. This content has been amazing. I think sometimes that most especially um, the now generation that are stepping onto the threshold of what God has for their next would so benefit from hearing this content. So thank you, Pastor. I appreciate that. Do me a favor. Um, bless these people. Commission them. Uh, pray us out of here. It's been a good study. Amen. Yes. Thank you so much. Let me say one more word and close out with this. This word. What about all these churches, all these different what they call denominations and movements 
there are so many of them, and I'm not discouraged by it. I'm encouraged by it. it means God's kingdom is vast, it's large, and growing. And so let me give you, drop this little word to you, to everyone who goes to church, to the churches and the church ministry and to Christians. Are, are you listening? Because I want to tell you this. Here it is. This is a rule of thumb. We don't compare, compete, or criticize one another. We're all in God's kingdom. All the churches that, that put Jesus first and foremost, the following the word of God, they're all, those churches, we're all in this together. So we don't compare and we don't compete and we don't criticize one another. So I think that's a good rule of thumb because we're not trying to outdo one another. We're trying to uh, complement one another in God's kingdom for God's plan and purpose. You are special. You're unique. That's who you are. And the Lord, I'm going to pray that Lord will speak to you and confirm maybe within you what you know he's been speaking to you about doing ministry and being a part of ministry. Heavenly Father, I ask you, Lord, that you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, just begin to touch, minister to all of us here. God, I know there, Father, I know there are those who are listening, those around me, Lord, that they know, they love you, Lord, they want to serve you. They just never have taken that extra step, that needed step of having faith and moving forward and doing a, a, a ministry, being involved in ministry, being involved in the, and following and listening to your voice. For I know, Lord, that listening to you and doing what you say as you speak to us is very fundamental when it comes down to being your servant. And we all want to be your servant. Just touch our hearts, God. Reveal to us the exciting opportunities to, to work and to serve in your kingdom. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless you.